This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Stand by, Rutherford County. The WGNS Action Line continues a search for truth. Right now that time, 8.13, you're tuned in to WGNS on this Monday morning. Today, the 5th of October, and with us this morning, Pastor David Young. How are you this morning? Doing great. How are you, Scott? I'm good. It's hard to believe that it's already October. Uh, it is, but it's beautiful outside. We had plenty of rain. We'll get some really beautiful colors, I think, this fall. That's true. I, I think we will as well. And you have... Uh, actually, the two most recent books, I should say, would be King Jesus, and the other one is A Grand Illusion, but King Jesus is the one you just got finished with? Yeah, King Jesus just came out in uh, August, published by Zondervan, and um, it's, it's a book that essentially just argues that because Jesus is a king, which is a model that we haven't used a whole lot, the proper response to Jesus is faithful obedience. Now, I, I should have said, you're the pastor here at local North Boulevard Church of Christ. That's right. Have been for, I don't know, how many years now? Well, uh, I've been there two stents for a total of 25 years. Wow, that that's a, a good amount of time right there. It is. I love the church, yeah. I you, love that church. You look church. like you're only 30, so I, I don't know how you've done it. <laughs> you haven't looked very well. <laughs> but King Jesus, the latest book to come out, and uh, you enjoy writing, don't you? Uh, well, I, f I feel compelled to do it. Uh, you know, it's a chore, but I feel compelled to do it. Is it tough to make time for it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really tough. But what what I often do is if I get a, a writing project in my head, I'll go away on a retreat and like spend maybe a whole week on it. And that gets you jump started mm -hmm. and then work on it a little bit every day. So tell us about this book, King Jesus. What is this about? So for many years, uh, the evangelical world thought of Jesus as Lord and Savior, and we should because that's what he is. But in the last 30 years or so, we've begun to think, rethink that Jesus is also a king based on the idea that he came to bring a kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And I just began to think, okay, if you call Jesus king, it brings a different kind of response to him. So you're not just faithful to kings. You don't just believe in kings, but you also obey kings. So what I want to argue is that obedience is not only the proper response to the kingship of Jesus, but obedience to Jesus brings all these blessings that many of us want in our lives, but we don't know how to get them. You know, I heard an interesting sermon, I guess it was last week, and it was a doctor who did the sermon, and I stumbled across it on YouTube, I think it was, but he was talking about how... Uh, G, he was talking about Jesus being the, the commander or kind of like comparing it to a military and how you should obey, you know, everything that he puts forth. And it was an interesting topic. I don't know that the crowd really took it that well. He was he was in California. This was, a I think, a more southern type pastor who yeah. visited California for some event. But it was interesting. And that's kind of like, you know, the direction you're going with this is that you should obey and, and listen to the orders, whatever those may be. So, so tell us, how do you go about hearing those orders? Well, so in the Gospels, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when Jesus comes over and over again, the Gospels say that he came to bring the kingdom of God. And I think what's often lost on North Americans, because we don't, we don't have royalty here. The only royalty we have is, uh, you know, when we pay attention to British royalty. And for us, it's uh, it's more entertainment than anything. Because we don't have royalty, 
we're not really accustomed to thinking about how you properly respond to a king. And if Jesus brings the kingdom of God, then he's actually the king. And I'm happy we don't have royalty. I like our democracy. I like our republic. But I can say that Jesus doesn't come to bring a democracy. He doesn't come to bring a republic. He comes to bring a kingdom, which means that he's a king. You don't have a kingdom if you don't have a king. And so what, what you learn to do with a king is you, rec- you recognize that a king has your best interest, a good king at least, has your best, best interest at heart. A good king establishes the laws, a good king enforces the laws, a good king uh, adjudicates the laws, judges whether or not we're following the laws. And that's what Jesus does, but he does it all for our benefit. So in obedience, the, the problem that North Americans uh, really struggle with is that we think of obedience as a form of slavery, but actually obedience is liberating. So here's a good analogy. You, you use a military analogy. Think of this. Um, one reason why uh, the U.S. has won so many wars is because we have good commanders whose soldiers obey their commands. If you said to the soldiers, you just go out there and do whatever you want to do. Just make yourself happy, you know, follow your heart and that sort of thing. We'd lose every battle. What makes us win is when we actually understand the power of focused obedience. There's a great power in that. And in the same way, when we understand the power of Jesus's teachings and then we obey, we discover all these blessings he has for us. Americans, for the most part, live with that whole follow your heart idea in their head, which, of course, can get you into trouble. It's a yeah, it it sounds really, really sweet. It sounds sentimental and it's an attractive way to talk. But at the end of the day, the hearts is most of our hearts are deeply misleading. Um, You know, our hearts, they shift in their values. They are easily manipulated. Uh, They're not very uh, solid. They don't form a very good foundation. That what most of us need is guidance. We don't need to follow our hearts. Our hearts, they'll mislead us. What we need is someone who can help us understand this is the best way to go. I'll give you another analogy. So uh, all these huge, successful football players line up to play for Nick Saban, who's five foot six, a little guy who never looks happy. He's, He's just a tough guy. But they follow him. They line up to play for him because he wins. And he doesn't win by telling his players, follow your heart. He wins by saying to his players, discipline yourselves, stick to your position, go out there and be the best you can be. He instructs them, and they go on to sign million-dollar contracts with the NFL. In the same way, following your heart, it, it takes you all sorts of places that may not be the best place, but Jesus actually knows us best of all. When he says to do something, if we do it, we receive his blessing. You know, being a pastor as long as you have, how many times have you come across individuals, couples, teenagers who came to you and they were literally following their heart because they thought it was the right path, but it got them in the wrong direction? Well, uh, it's pretty common. Um, Maybe all of us are tempted to do it to some extent um, because the the heart, a lot of us live by our feelings instead of by reason or, or logic or wisdom. Wisdom is not the same as following your heart. And so all of us are probably tempted to do that. But yeah, a lot of people, they follow their heart. Uh, you know, a tragic example that I see so many times, a young man or young women who grew up in maybe a, a really difficult home and they're looking for love somewhere. And when they're too 
young, really too inexperienced to judge very well, they end up with someone who's not good for them. They end up living with them or married to them, and it, it turns out to be a disaster. So instead of following good wisdom, they follow their heart, and their heart end up, ended up really betraying them and hurting them deeply. And so what we're trying to do is protect people from that, uh, not blame them, but protect them from it. Following your heart oftentimes gets you in deep trouble. Again, David Young with us this morning, latest book, King Jesus, and you've wrote about eight books so far? Something like that, yeah. And the uh, other book that, I guess the other most recent book would be A Grand Illusion, uh, but both of these books are on the market right now, right? Yes, absolutely. I've seen uh, here in Murfreesboro and also online and uh, bookstores, the most recent one, bookstores across the country. What made you want to write King Jesus? Well, so if you pay attention to what's going on in the world of Christianity, you'll know the name of N.T. Wright, Tom Wright. Tom Wright, for the last 30 years, has been writing about the kingdom of God. And it just, the more I read his works, the more I think, okay, here's the missing piece. If we have a kingdom, we have a king. And I don't hear a lot of people talk about Jesus as king. And so I just felt this need to say, okay, God brings a kingdom with us. The kingdom of heaven comes to us now, but it only comes to us if we acknowledge Jesus as king. And I just had the sense that a lot of us are not accustomed to thinking about Jesus as king. So I wanted to recover that. You know, you, you can go anywhere in the world and Christianity looks just slightly different at least the worshipers come across slightly different in different parts of the world. You know, some take it so serious that they say to you, well, I'm not going to become a Christian yet because I'm still drinking and I enjoy it. You know, stuff like that. They take it, in other words, they take it much more serious, I think, in other parts of the world than what people do here at times. Yeah, but that may be not just uh, Christianity. I think a lot of North Americans are no longer accustomed to making long-term commitments and sticking to them. Um, you know, across the board for North Americans, we have so many safety nets. I mean, I'm, I'm thankful for that. I'm not criticizing it, but we have so many safety nets that you don't have to be faithful to your commitments because there's something going to catch you whenever you're unfaithful. And so it may just be that a lot of us move in and out of relationships. We've baptized a lot of Asians, especially Chinese in our congregation. And uh, so if you take an, uh, uh, someone who grew up in the U.S., and you want to bring them to Christ and get them to make a confession of faith and baptize them. It, sometimes you could do it in one hour's time. But they may not stay very long after that, maybe a couple of weeks. If you try to convert the ch typical Chinese that we interact with, it will take you a year to get them to make a commitment. But once they make a commitment, nothing will back them down. Because in their culture, commitments are forever. In North American culture, commitments, ah, you're moving in and out of them as your heart dictates and so it may just be a kind of a cultural phenomenon and not really a, a religious one it's so true when you talk about how many of those in north america they their commitments just don't last i mean they're, they're <laughs> short right. come they're come and go i wonder why that is well again uh we have a lot of safety nets so you can afford to do it you know you can declare bankruptcy you can get no-fault divorce uh, you can walk in and out of relationships and jobs uh, so it, it's pretty easy to do. And then also, I do think that to some extent we've built a culture and I love I love the U.S. I love our culture. I'm not I'm not against it, but we have built a culture where oftentimes our own institutions betray us. So if you grew up in a home where your father wasn't faithful, he ran off. You probably have never seen commitment modeled. Uh, if you grew up and worked for years for a certain um, corporation, let's say, and then one day they just come through and clean house and fire you. Well, you realize nobody else is making a commitment. Why should I make a commitment? So there's there's some cultural pressure, I think, uh, towards living for yourself and not necessarily staying faithful 
to a commitment. And again, I'm not really knocking it, but I am pointing it out. So in the book, King Jesus, do you actually highlight some personal stories, some things that you've been through or noticed when you wrote this book? Or, or do you highlight some of that? Yeah. In fact, uh, in this book, this book is a story book in a lot of ways. Um, when I wrote it, I wanted to just fill it with illustrations and stories. Many of them are personal stories as well. Um, and uh, so I can share some of those uh, if you're interested in it. But, yeah, um, let's hear one or two. Well, so, so I, have, I have my son's permission to tell this story. My son is a great illustration of it. So one of the things that Jesus says when he um, announces his kingship at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, he says, now I'm the king, go make disciples of all nations. And um, I just tell the story of how my son uh, in the year, about the year 2000, well, when he was about 14 years old, he lost his faith. And he told me this, and he really wasn't a rebel. He just lost his faith. And uh, his mother and I, we just, it broke our hearts. We worried over him. Uh, he, he had depression. He, he went through a really hard ten, uh, teenage life. And um, by the time he got to school, he was in deep trouble. I, I won't go into that the detail about what, but um, you can read it in the book. I put quite a bit in the book. But uh, we finally had to go get him out of school and bring him home. And again, I don't want to go into a lot of detail for his sake. But... We had a, an, an individual who was a sensei in Taekwondo who was one of our ministers. And he began to disciple my son. So he, every day they met to do Taekwondo, which my son was interested in. And what I didn't know is that the sensei was actually praying with my son, mentoring him, and helping him to respond in obedience. So they would go through a text of scripture. The sensei would say to my son, I want you to obey this text. My son would say, I don't believe it. And he'd say, well, do it anyway. Just try it and see what happens. And then God would work some kind of blessing or miracle in my son's life. And this went on for six months until at the end of six months, my son received one of the fastest black belts in Taekwondo in the history of the sport. And he announced to me that he had come back to Jesus through obedience, simply through just reading what the text says and doing it. Not only has he come back to Jesus, he married a woman who's also a minister. The two of them have gone to plant a church in Eugene, Oregon, and they are doing fabulous. He's just doing wonderful. And all of it goes back to one individual who's willing to love on my son enough to bring him back and to show him Jesus is a trustworthy king. You can trust what he says. So uh, it, it, it's the best story of our lives, I think. It's tough for teenagers in today's times because it's so easy for them to be led astray, especially with things like social media, because, yeah. you know, from social media to TV, I mean, all of it, it's almost as if all those things are geared to lead people astray in whatever direction it may be. It's always been hard to be a teenager. Uh, I think most of us, I'm 59, most of us who are in my age range realize it's a lot more difficult today than ever. Uh, you know, the families are not as stable as they once were. That's true across the board in North America. Um, not only that, but the pressures are intense. They're, they come every minute or two. Uh, teenagers, as you say, social media brings all sorts of bullying, all sorts of pressure to do things that really will, will, will harm a person or damage a person. They're shaming online. Uh, yeah, it's tremendous pressure against teenagers today. My heart goes out to them. And, and, you know, even for adults, when you look at things like social media, people are so quick to judge on there. People are so quick to call names. But in real life, when they see you face to face, it's not that way. So it almost teaches, I guess, the general public, hey, it's OK to talk bad about this person when they're not here. But once they show up, cut it off. Yeah, I really So I say this to my congregation a lot. You know, practice civility, 
on social media. It's okay to hold a position and to hold it strongly, but be a civil person. Uh, screaming at each other, condemning each other. You know, uh, the, a, a tweet, I saw a tweet from a, a, a leader in North America that uh, they hope the president dies of COVID. Not, not just some weirdo, you know, writing this from some weird place, but, but a, a recognized leader has got hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter. And, and you just think, no, wow, why do we have to, whatever you think about politics, without civility, we don't stand a chance of staying united. Civility allows us to sit and talk with one another. So right now I'm in a, um, I'm in a small group. It's half African-American, half Caucasian. And uh, we're working through a really, a really good book, a really helpful book. Um, it's by Latasha Morrison. It's called Be the Bridge. And what we're trying to do is just listen to one another, talk to one another. And especially for those of us who are Caucasian, it's so eye-opening to sit and listen as our black friends and brothers and sisters talk about their experiences that, that even though we, you know, we had some clue, we just don't realize how deep it runs. And where you might be tempted to scream at each other, I don't, I'm not talking about in this small group, I'm talking now about social media. If you'll just sit and listen to people, most of us have a story. Most of us got to where we are through sometimes success, but also through a lot of pain. And rather than scream at each other, we ought to, we ought to practice some civility, some kindness, and try to listen to one another and hear where the other one's coming from. Uh, all of us have sin in our lives, but there are not that many people who are just outright evil. Most people get to their position through some legitimate means. They're trying to solve some problem. And if we would just try to listen to them and hear the problem they're trying to solve, maybe we can come up with better answers than just yelling at each other. Pastor David Young with us this morning. He is with North Boulevard Church of Christ, but you have this new book out, King Jesus and the Beauty of Obedience-Based Discipleship. And uh, it's, you know, the title alone, King Jesus, I I think that says a lot, you know, and, and like going back to what you were saying, if you look at him as a king, then you should follow him as a king. Is that hard for most people to do? Because we're talking about obedience. We're talking about actually <clears throat> listening to what the Bible says as opposed to just listening to your heart. It's very, it's hard for me to do. I assume it's hard for everybody else to do. It's hard to do because um, most of us have a rebellious spirit somewhere inside of us. Most of us think we're really a little bit smarter than everybody else. Most of us think my, you know, I know my situation better than anybody else. I should, I want to be in charge. You know, most of us want to be the king and and we're usually irritable that we're not the king. Uh, so it's, it is difficult to do. Here's how I have learned to do it. It starts with an act of discipline. And uh, so discipline, if you'll, if you'll just practice discipline every day, just even a small act of discipline, eventually discipline becomes a habit. And when a habit really starts to take root in our hearts, a habit will then eventually become a character. It's kind of who you are. So, for example, I work out. Um, I've, I've run my whole life since I was a kid. And uh, it was hard at first. I didn't like it. I, I still remember the first days of how much I hated it. Couldn't believe I was doing it. Uh, but then it became part of my character. I still do it. And at some point, it becomes kind of part of your destiny. Your character, is your, it determines your destiny. So it starts with discipline, becomes habit, becomes character, and then becomes destiny. And now, you know, I still think of myself as a runner. And if I miss running, I, I hurt. I don't like it. I want to run. I want to get out there. Um, so in the same way, 
a teaching of Jesus, the teaching to turn the other cheek, for example, or to forgive someone who sinned against you. At first, it takes discipline, but over the course of time, it not only becomes your character, it becomes your destiny, it's liberating. Forgiveness sets you free. It's not bondage. It's not enslavement. It's freedom. It sets you free from the burdens of having to carry unforgiveness and rage and anger around in your heart. So Jesus's teachings are better than anything your heart might tell you. You know, I, I was talking to a homeless man, I guess last week or so, and he was talking to me about how he wants to get sober, how he wants to go to rehab, but he said he doesn't deserve it. You know, he said, I, I've screwed up my whole life. I, it's just, I don't deserve this. And he was saying that he wants to be a Christian, but can't necessarily take the steps because he said he, he's done horrible things throughout his life. And I was saying, you know, look, man, we, we all sin, just like what you were saying. I, heck, I did it on the way here. I sped. I didn't mean to, but that's a sin. When you look at the overall context of what is a sin, you know, it's it's breaking a law, breaking a rule. I mean, that's that's a sin, basically. Well, I want to respond, but before I even respond to that, I just want to say that um, a lot of us really admire your work with the homeless. I'm not sure how much your audience realizes that you've spent a whole lot of time ministering to people, and um, a lot of us see that and admire it. Um, well, thank you. And so I just want to point that out because I think it's a big deal, Scott. It's a big deal that you do that. Um, but none of us is worthy of Jesus. We should just start there. I'm not worthy of Jesus. None of us is worthy. It, Jesus doesn't come because we're worthy, because we're so good that he thought, well, I need to come. They're, look how good they are. Uh, we're, we're children. We sin. We fall. Uh, all of us fall. All of us sin. He came because he wants to save us while we're sinners, not, not, be, not because we were so good. Uh, if we were so good, he wouldn't have had to come. And so here's what I would advise someone who feels unworthy or someone in an addiction. And, and I, I, I do think that this is an addictive age. So I really wrestle with a food addiction. Uh, it's an addictive age. It's, I, I get it. I know how hard it can be. And uh, so what we have to do is, again, we, we start with small steps. You just start small. Um, you know, a good church will have an environment that will help you address an addiction we have Celebrate Recovery at our congregation. There's Celebrate Recoveries all over Murfreesboro, all over Rutherford County, and uh, we partner with OCRs. They're fantastic programs, AA programs, 12-step programs. They're, they're all over Rutherford County, and what they share in common is the conviction, God can get me out of this, and a willingness to start small. Start small. Start where you are. Uh, if you start small, you can end big. If you try to start big, most of us, we fall flat on our faces. Start small. Just start where you are. Let the Lord help you take a step. Don't wait till you're good enough. You'll never be good enough. That, that's tough for a lot of people, I think. It is. Yeah, because we carry shame and we carry guilt. And, you know, to be honest, we probably ought to carry shame and guilt. Some of us, some of the stuff we've done, I should. Uh, but at the end of the day, God says, come on, I welcome you. I'll take you as you are. I'll take you as you are to help you become what I want you to be. And so we start where we are. Don't wait till you're good. Don't wait till you're good. Just start where you are. How do you make people realize that tomorrow's a new day, tomorrow's a new start? You may have messed up yesterday, and it may have repercussions today, but yet today is basically a second chance. It is, yeah. It's just a beautiful thing that God gives us night and day because, you know, we go through the night and we sleep, or typically on a typical schedule, you get up the next day, and you really do get a chance to start a new chapter. Every day you get a chance to start a new chapter, and the legacy of bad decisions may live on for years but you can close the door on making bad decisions whenever you decide to 
the word decision, the word decide comes from a Latin term that means to cut something, cut something in half. When you make the decision, I'm done with that. I'm done with this behavior. I'm done with it. You cut it off. The legacy of what you used to do, it may continue on. You may still have financial problems, for example. Maybe you lost a husband or a wife or an important relationship through some you know, bad decisions you made. But you can stop making those bad decisions. And then you can turn the legacy, the bad decisions, into some sort of blessing, some sort of ministry. The best ministers on the world, in the world, I think, people who run the best ministries, run the best nonprofits, are people who actually survived the thing they're ministering to, and now they turn it into a ministry. They turn it into a great gift. You know, who, who better to work in a CR program, a 12-step program, than someone who's been addicted? They know better than anyone. It seems like that happens a lot, where somebody yeah. survives something traumatic, somebody overcome something that most people haven't overcome but then they turned it into helping others oh it's the greatest gift it's it's a wonderful gift i had a woman one time in my congregation who went through a terrible terrible divorce and she had married a man that was a rough guy anyway i won't go into all the details but she was she was at that time in her 70s she's since passed on she's deceased now but she told me she said i want you so i I not only have her permission, she ordered me. She said, I want you to tell everybody about my marriage. And I said, what do you want me to tell them? You, you know, you got a divorce. She said, I want you to tell them they don't have to marry people who abuse them. They don't have to do it. Just because they're in that relationship, they can stop it. I said, you really want me to tell them that? She said, yes. She said, I want to now turn my bad marriage into an outreach to help other people not make that decision. And that, I, I have done that. I've done that a lot. I've told her story a lot because... We can, we can redeem our story. I mean, like, that's one of the great things about Jesus. He gives us the opportunity to redeem even the bad parts of our story, turn them into these awesome testimonials, um, these life-saving stories. What do you say to somebody who comes to you and they're talking about something tragic that happened? Maybe it's a diagnosis of cancer. Maybe it's a child who, who died in a car wreck. I don't know what it is, but it's something bad that happened in their life but they come to you with that information and they just say, you know, I, I'm just, I'm losing faith altogether. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn, but nothing is happening the way it should happen. Let, let's save that for when we come back. Cause I, I didn't realize it's already 838. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come right back. Pastor David Young with us this morning. Stay with us. You're listening to WGNS. If I could talk to the animals. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City. I wanted to go ahead and invite your family to come do business with my family. We are excited to announce that our fall fragrance pet odor exterminating candles are here. If you have not experienced these, you should stop in and check them out. We are open for in-store shopping and also happy to offer curbside delivery if that's your preference. Thank you to our customers for allowing us to serve you for 30 years. Animal City, 919 Northwest Broad Street. Hi, this is Peter Demas with Demas's Restaurant. We're excited to announce that our dining rooms are back up and running. We may not be at full capacity and we may not have all of your favorite menu items or the favorite touches that you're used to having, but at the same time, we are excited to be able to serve you. We have brought our servers back. We have retrained them. Our cooks are excited to put the steaks on plates that you can cut with a real knife as opposed to plasticware from your home. And I invite your family to come and join our family back at Demas's Restaurants on Broad Street in Murfreesboro. 
Listen live to WGNS Radio on our website and Alexa or Google devices. Search WGNS Radio for on-demand podcasts in iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Plus, we have direct links to podcasts at WGNSRadio.com. Precision Air knows you want the air inside your home as safe and clean as possible. Clean the air in your home with an affordable UV system, reducing microorganisms including bacteria, viruses, and allergens. Call Precision Air, 615-930-0088. That's 615-930-0088. Take advantage now at First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. Up to 10% off labor costs for your next car repair job and 15% off labor costs for teachers, students, first responders, and veterans. That's First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. First Class Sales and Service in Smyrna. COVID-19 has changed our world, and First National Bank of Murfreesboro is here to help you. We understand your uncertainty, and First National Bank of Murfreesboro is always here for our customers. We encourage the use of our digital tools, ATM, mobile banking, internet, and even the drive-thru. First National Bank of Murfreesboro, 2230 Mercury Boulevard. Now a part of the Capstar Bank family, member FDIC. Sunny this afternoon, high in the low 70s. Tonight's mainly clear, low near 43. Sunny on Tuesday, warmer with a high of 77. Tuesday night, low near 49. A meteorologist to Laura Lockwood on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 47. Good morning. Traffic's been in pretty decent shape out here as far as really bad accidents. We've seen a ton of radar this morning on 24, headed over towards Nashville. Uh, traffic's still holding up right now on 96 and 840 as you head over towards Franklin Williamson County. Celebrate autumn this year at Ober Gatlinburg during Oktoberfest now through November 1st. Music, food, live entertainment. Visit obergatlinburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. The Action Line on FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. We're Rutherford County's place to talk. Pastor David Young with us this morning, 841. You're tuned in to WGNS. Most recent book he's written, King Jesus, and this book is now out. It's available I guess all over the place online in bookstores. So King Jesus is the name of the book. Uh, but before we had the break, the question came up, what happens when somebody comes to you and they say, well, this is going on in my life. I, I don't understand how God could let it happen. I don't understand why this is happening to me, to us. What do you say to people who come to you with that? Well, I told the story a moment ago about my own son, and this I think this is what caused him to lose his faith when he was a teenager, is he had severe depression, and he would pray, and the depression didn't get better, and so um, he, it, he found it easier not to believe in God than it was to believe that God listened to him and didn't say yes, didn't help him, and so it's a very serious problem. It's, um, it's a heartbreaking problem, and, and most of us face the problem at some point or another. I think probably it's safe to say all of us do. When someone comes to me, the first thing I want to do is show love and compassion and listen. In fact, maybe sometimes the best thing to do is just to lament with people, just to just spend some time in sorrow with people before we try to give an answer. Um, sometimes the appropriate response is just to love on folks and just say to them, let me stand with you. Let me share the pain with you for a little while. Because an answer too quickly usually is the wrong answer. And it could even be an offensive answer if you're not careful. But over the course of time, what we have to realize is that God is working behind the scenes to build an awesome story. But sometimes to do that, he has to take us through a desert. Uh, you know, if you think about the, the strongest people you know, just physically, 
they're people who have to work out and working out is not easy it's hard on the muscles it's it's stressful it's deliberately stressful you deliberately stress out your body so that it will become stronger and in many ways the strains and the toils and the disappointments you go through life they're used by god not that god necessarily sends them but they're used by god to make us stronger to make us purer to remind us of what really matters in life i'll give you one quick illustration we had a member who had cancer and uh, went a long time with cancer. She, she had treatments after treatment, and it kept coming back. She told me one time after about two years of cancer, she said, I want you to know I wouldn't trade my cancer for anything in the world. And I said, that, I don't get that. You have to explain that to me. She said cancer has helped her stop focusing on the stupid things in life and only to focus on what really matters. She says, I've, I love now like I've never loved before. Every day brings joy to my life. Uh, she said, all my relationships are enhanced. They're better. She said, I'm happier now than I've ever been. And she said, I'm sorry it took cancer to get me there. But she said, that's what God used to get me there. Now, I'm not suggesting you ought to feel that if you have cancer, but I am telling you, God can use our stress. He can use our troubles, our disappointments. And sometimes it takes years. It may have taken years for us to get to where we are. It may take years for God to get us through it. But at the end of the day, if my son had not gone through his depression, if he had not gone through what he went through, he would have never become the man he is today. And today he is one of the men I admire most on planet earth but he had to go the dark way to get there. And he is there. So that's one response I would give. I would first listen though, and I would love. So I, I guess this goes back to give thanks always. Give thanks always. No matter what you're going through, you gotta give thanks, look for the, for the highlights, look for the positive in whatever it is, no matter how bad it is. Yeah, if Jesus is king, and that's what Bi the Bible teaches, that he's a king of kings and lord of lords. If he is king, then you can trust he's gonna work it out. But he's gonna work it out his way, and he's gonna work it out in his timing. And that means we have to be patient and that's just difficult to do. I think it's difficult for all people to do. North Americans is particularly difficult because we live, we really have such good lives. We don't have to wait on a whole lot. Uh, you know, we get mad if we have to wait five minutes at a fast food restaurant. So patience is not one of our virtues in North America, but patience is how you cultivate strength. Now you, you look at other things in life that happen, such as crime, somebody's murdered. Is the, the devil behind this, is Satan behind some of those things and God had, you know, was nowhere to be found? I mean, what do you say in those situations where like there is a murder? Yeah, so the book of uh, Job is kind of a relevant book for this question. It's a, in the book of Job, it's just a short condensed version. There's a guy, he's a very good guy, his name is Job. Satan goes to God and says, I bet I can make him deny you. And God says, well, do whatever you want to do, but just don't kill him. And Job goes through all these trials, you know, loses things, uh, his family, he's in poverty, he gets uh, some sort of disease where his body starts to fall apart. And the whole time, as you know, the story of Job doesn't want, he never condemns God. But if you read the book of Job, he challenges God. He's upset with God. He, he keeps saying, Lord, why don't you come down here and talk to me about this? Why are you letting this happen to me? Then at the end of the book, God, God comes to Job and he says something along the lines of Job, my ways are not your ways. You're not going to understand. He, it, he comes in a whirlwind and he says, who are you? You don't even know what I'm up to. How can you, 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 how can you even challenge me? You don't know what I'm up to. And then at the end of the story, he's, he gives Job everything back. And all the guys who thought they had good answers, God says to Job, you better pray for them because I'm about to punish them for giving you bad answers. So I take away from the book of Job that there's a great mystery to suffering and that we should be very 
hesitant to rush in with too many answers because God's up to something much bigger than we might be able to understand. It doesn't mean you can't address it, but it does mean we should show a lot of modesty in the face of suffering. And I do want to say, if you don't believe, I mean, if you're not a believer, if you're not a Christian, you still have a problem with suffering. I mean, it's not just a problem that Christians have to wrestle with. All humans have to wrestle with it. Christians have an answer for it, which is God is going to provide what we need. So it's not just a Christian problem. It's a problem for all of us. It's a problem for humans. Why do we suffer? Why is the universe designed this way? Why is it that children die? I mean, why do these terrible things happen? Wars and so forth. So the answer to the question is, well, God's up to something, but we ought to be modest in what we attribute to God. It's, you know, it's hard to live sometimes, hard to live with not knowing what to do next. And that's really how life is, though. I mean, there are certain situations where we don't know what to do next. Yeah, we get a compass in life, but we don't get a GPS. So a compass says go north, but it doesn't tell you how to go north. It doesn't tell you what pitfalls there might be there. It doesn't tell you what mountains you might have to climb. It doesn't tell you what, you know, what wild animals might be there who might want to try to eat you. Uh, So in scripture, we get a compass, go this direction you know, do the right thing. But we don't get a GPS that says, when you do the right thing, you're going to have this problem and that problem. You got to struggle with this and struggle with that. And we have to be okay with the fact that this is, this is how God does it. He gives us a compass. He says, these are things I want you to do. I want you to practice forgiveness. And by the way, God doesn't guarantee us that forgiveness is going to work. He never says it's going to work. Sometimes it doesn't work. But he says, do it because it's the right thing. That's the direction you go, whether it works or not. And then he does his work behind it. And his work's always, at the end, always redemptive. It always, at the end, is good. These highs and lows that people go through throughout life, some people will say, well, it seems like all I've got are, you know, lows. I've got obstacles to climb over nonstop, and it's not getting any better. But then you have those, you look at their life, and on the outside, it looks like all they have are positive things that happen to them. But I guess in reality, most of us are going through these highs and lows often at the same time without realizing it. Oh, wow, yeah. I said this in a lesson the other day. You should be gentle to everyone you meet because all of us are waging huge battles inside, no matter how good it looks. Uh, You know, some of the most um, unhappy people I've ever known are are very wealthy people. And uh, I'm not blaming the wealth. What I'm saying is that no matter how good it looks on the outside, all of us are waging wars on the inside, disappointments, insecurities, uh, addictions, secret sins. All of us are waging wars on the inside. And so, and that's one reason why scripture is so strong on the idea of loving one another, because we all need mercy. We need love. Everybody you face today is fighting a, a, a life and death war on the inside. Everybody you meet today will be. And we all go through these things. Absolutely. And, and, sometimes we're winning and sometimes we don't feel like we are. And the, the interesting thing is that, you know, we, we may have stepped off this horrible bus of whatever problem it was, but then you step right onto another bus and it's a positive ride in the next one. You know, it, it's just we go throughout life, we go through the ups, we go through the downs nonstop. And the ups may be really good things that happen, but the, the lows are really bad. Yeah. So the way the scripture speaks about Philippians chapter four, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Then he says a little bit later in that same text that he has learned to be content in whatever state he finds himself, whether he's in prison, whether he's hungry, whether he's well fed, whether he's got all the provisions he needs or whether he has no provisions. And so what I would suggest is that um, this is difficult to do. So I can say the words. I'm not sure that I'm the best role model of what I'm about to say, 
But the best thing to do is to find joy wherever you are, no matter how good or how bad it is. Find joy wherever you are. I just remind everyone who's listening, you're only going to get one shot at life. You might as well grab whatever joy you can get out of it. And joy is a choice that you make, just like gratitude. It's a choice that you make. You choose to rejoice. No matter how dark the situation, you can find joy in it. And so you choose to be joyful. Or, as I said, the the wealthiest people I know sometimes are miserable people. Not because their situation is bad, but because they won't choose joy. We get to choose it. We have a a phone call over here. and We had a couple, but I'm going to go ahead and get to this one real quick here. Good morning. You're on WGNS. Good morning. You got me, Scott. I got you. I tell you what, your guest, whoo. I tell you what, I could listen to him all day. There's a lot of people need to hear him. He's he's definitely a fresh, a fresh air that, that America and the world need to hear. Sir, you are right on it. What? You can run, but you can't hide. Make sure you clear it up and make sure you tell people about this. Well, let me tell you about a guy named Casey Clark. I went to Delaware to my sister's, and I just out of nowhere, the preacher picked on me out of the family and out of everybody who went up there, you know, and I went to a place called Franklin, Tennessee. The preacher picked on me out of the quartet. Everywhere I go, the, the, the preachers picks on me, you know, as in a, but it's in a good way. You, you, you all understand what I'm saying? You can run, but you can't hide. That's what I'm saying. The thing is, I, I was listening to your, your guest there, Scott, he, he, he's right, like you, you, you're saying, people, rich people, poor people, it's something about people. You can't hide. <laughs> if it's in you, you can't hide it. People will pick it, people will pull it out of you. In this day and time, people think they can just put a mask on and, and, and do anything they can do and get away with it. No, you can't. You're fooling yourself. You can't fool this world. Somebody, a lot of people, will know you before you uh, just, you're tricking yourself maybe, but you're not tricking real people. You can't trick real people. Well, thank you for calling this morning. Yeah, thank you. Yes, sir. Right now that time, 8.53, he was saying, because I know the audio for some reason didn't go to your headphones in the beginning of that conversation, but he was saying you're right on target. And then he was illustrating his story. Um, but, you know, and another part of that people picking on people thing that he was saying, if you depend on people, they're going to let you down every time. You know, and that's something else I think in today's times we often will get caught up in whatever the issue is and we'll depend on, let's say, Joe, your best friend Joe down the street or, or whoever, but they're going to let you down. You always have to have something greater to fall back on, and I guess that's where your Christianity, your faith comes into play. You've got to have something to support you during those low times when you don't have Joe down the street to help you out. Uh, That's another reason why I wrote the book, because to say that Jesus is king is to suggest that we have someone who is utterly dependable. 
And that's Jesus. And it's true that uh, people will let us down. You know, I've let people down. Others have let me down. It's not to say that people are inherently evil. They're not. But it is to suggest that we humans are frail. We do disappoint each other. We betray each other. We are dishonest with each other. Uh, we're not always good to each other. But because Jesus is king and he makes a promise, in fact, uh, his last words in the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Behold, I will be with you always, even to the end of the ages. So his promise to us is that he's not going to let us down. And so no matter how many mountains and valleys the journey takes us through, Jesus is going to be there with us, and he guarantees us that at the end of it, at the resurrection, it's all pain and all suffering, all the tears, all the death, all the dying, all the former things, he says, they will be gone. And his words, Revelation 21, behold, I make all things new. That's the kind of king I want in my life. I, I think sometimes as well, people let others down without even meaning to because they think it's in that person's best interest to do whatever it is they're going to do for them. You know, I, I don't, it, people don't truly understand others. I mean, let's face it, it you're going to get something wrong if you try to figure out somebody else you're not going to do it correctly because you don't know what they've been through yeah so we're both fathers and we both understand that we might be doing what we think is in the best interest of our kids and when they become adults they explain to us that nope that didn't work dad <laughs> you didn't do that the way i hoped you would and i think well i did my best i was trying and uh so the truth is you're right sometimes we don't know what's in the best interest of others we might try we might fail um and others might feel like we're not even trying when oftentimes we are. We have about three and a half minutes left. So as we close out this morning, what do you like most about this most recent book you wrote, King James? Well, uh, yeah, I said King, King James. <laughs> King, King James. James. <laughs> well, King James is a good translation. You didn't uh, write that one. That's <laughs> so uh, I just want to suggest this. Jesus is a better king than David Young is ever going to be. He's a better king than anyone who's listening is ever going to be. He's a king worthy of our faithfulness. He's a king worthy of our obedience. And when we obey King Jesus, he really does give us blessings that we could just really never have anticipated. He works miracles in our lives, but he gives it for people who obey. So when Peter stepped out on the water and started to walk, he would never have experienced what it's like to walk across the water if he hadn't taken that first step. So that's what I suggest people do. Take the first step, let the Lord direct you, and, uh, and uh, see, what, see what King Jesus does in your life. And I guess one way to start doing that today, whatever the issue may be, you got to stop worrying. You know, that's one of the things you got to yeah. do because I know the Bible talks about, you know, you can't spend your days worrying all the time. You just can't do it. Well, the more the more you put your life in the hands of Jesus, the less reason you're going to have to worry because we learn trust just like we learn not to trust people. We learn to trust people. The more you trust Jesus, the more his blessings come, the more you learn I can trust him. And so, uh, again, one step at a time, start where you are and see if he doesn't reward you. And then as you keep stepping, he keeps sending his blessings. And you can find this book on Amazon. and Amazon. It's at Barnes & Noble's here in town. It's, uh, I don't know, it's at uh, it, wherever Zondervan sells books. So, um, But Amazon Easy, Barnes & Noble, uh, Zondervan's website, Christian Book Distributors, uh, wherever, you, wherever you find Zondervan books. It's called King Jesus by David Young. And again, you're the pastor out here in Murfreesboro at North Boulevard Church of Christ. Uh, if anybody has any questions, I'm sure they can give you a call. Absolutely, yeah. Thank you, Scott. Thank you for joining us. Yes, morning. sir. Time right now, 8.59. As we close out this morning, we'll check on that forecast again and also the traffic situation. 
Good morning. Traffic's been in pretty decent shape out here as far as really bad accidents. We've seen a ton of radar this morning on 24 headed over towards Nashville. Uh, traffic's still holding up right now on 96 and 840 as you head over towards Franklin Williamson County. Celebrate autumn this year at Ober Gatlinburg during Oktoberfest now through November 1st. Music, food, live entertainment. Visit obergatlinburg.com. I'm Commander Chuck. You're on time traffic. Sunny this afternoon, high in the low 70s. Tonight's mainly clear, low near 43. Sunny on Tuesday, warmer with a high of 77. Tuesday night, low near 49. I'm meteorologist Laura Lockwood on News Radio WGNS. Right now, 47.